You're listening to the Revolution Church Podcast. To learn more, including our gathering times in Crossville, Tennessee, visit us at CrossvilleRevolution.com. Guys, we've got a lot of scripture to go over today, so uh, we're just going to get right into it. As we close out our series on the book of Ephesians, uh, this is week number 15, and uh, this series has been incredible for me personally. I don't know about you, but diving deep into the book of Ephesians has probably changed my life forever as we learned in the first three weeks about our inheritance that we have in Christ. In fact, you'll find that phrase, in Christ, used some 27 to 29 times depending on the translation uh, you use. Then in chapter 4, what we've been looking at since then and we're closing out today is how do we apply our inheritance in Christ to everyday life? How do we function as Christians, and we've gotten some incredible, incredible sermons and uh, things from that as to how we're to conduct ourselves as Christians. Well, today's scripture, we're going to be in Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 24, as I said, closing down the entirety of the book today as we take a look at these final words that Paul is saying to us. Now, if you ask most people, what are some attributes that Christians are supposed to have. You'll probably hear things like, well, they're supposed to be nice. They're supposed to be long-suffering. They're supposed to be kind, gentle, loving, caring, meek. And yes, every single one of those characteristics is something that every single Christian should have, many of those being the fruit of the Spirit. But also, Christians need to understand that you've got to be a fighter. You have got to learn how to fight and get better at fighting. Why? Because every single believer is taking part in something we refer to as a spiritual war that is raging around every single one of us. Now, if your tactics when you're in the middle of a war is to be passive, then I would submit this to you this weekend that you will get destroyed. You gotta learn if you're following Jesus that you are going to have to fight. You gotta get better at fighting. You've got to be a fighter in a sense, and this is what we are going to talk about today. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, it tells us that we're supposed to fight the good fight. Jude, verse 2 and verse 3 says that we are fighters. One preacher puts it this way: the Christian life is not a playground. The Christian life is, in fact, a battleground. In fact, if you look at the history of human beings that is recorded, almost 4,000 years of recorded history for humans, you'll find that they estimate around 238 of those years are the only years where there was not a war that was taking place. There's something innate in every single one of us that causes us to fight. And this especially applies to your relationship with Jesus and following him. I don't want to spoil this for you today, but you need to understand that Paul's encouraging us today in these final words because he's letting us all know that we are going to have victory because of the authority that's been given to us by Jesus. The Super Bowl's next weekend, and a couple weeks ago, I was watching one of the playoff games, 
that absolutely blew my mind how these 300 to 400 pound men that have muscles upon muscles and uh, they're just humongous, incredible athletes will submit to the authority of a referee or an official that is like 150 to 175 pound old man. Think about that image. 300 to 400 pound incredible athlete standing next to a 150, 175 pound old man. They'll never cross the official in football. You know why? Because the official has the authority. You know, you may feel like standing next to the enemy, standing next to your battle, you're nothing much to look at. But what we're going to learn today is you've been given authority through Jesus to win every single battle you face. Can I get a good amen, Red Church? So let's start in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Go all the way through it like we always do. Y'all with me say I am. Paul starts like this, typical preacher. He says, finally, finally, finally. This is the equivalent, when Paul says finally, of when a preacher toward the end of his sermon says, I'm almost done. How many of y'all know when a preacher says, I'm almost done, he ain't nowhere near done. Amen, y'all. This is Paul. Finally, hey, we're getting ready to see his closing remarks. No, what we're getting ready to see is some of the most incredible theological truths that you will find in the New Testament. So finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Paul starts this passage in talking about spiritual warfare by, number one, identifying who the Christian's enemy is. And he really starts with this idea of, now that you've become God's kid, you've also inherited God's enemy. God's enemy comes in the form of the devil and his demons, or as I refer to it, Satan and his buddies. There was a poll that was done among church people, and the majority of people that were church-going people said that they believe the devil in Scripture is not a literal thing. It is a symbol of evil. Paul here is making sure we understand that this is not symbolic, this is not figurative, this is not a metaphor, that the devil and his demons are very real. Jesus himself even said, I saw Satan fall from heaven. The historical view and the most commonly held view of the devil and his demons, Isaiah chapter 14 tells us that they are fallen angels created by God to worship him, but they rebelled against him, but they are very real. The great preacher Dwight Moody once said this, I believe in the devil because scripture says he is real and because I've done business with him before. That should be a quote that every single believer can totally relate to. So demons are doing the bidding of the God of this world, so to speak, that is Lucifer. When Paul here refers to rulers, authorities, powers, spiritual forces, what Paul is doing here is he's explaining a spiritual hierarchy of demonic characters. So think about it like the mob. You've got the godfather, that's Satan, and then you've got mid-level captains, and then you've got low-level You've got all these different levels. This is what he's referring to. The enemy is very, very organized. We're going to talk more about that 
here in just a minute. Rest assured that Paul is being very sober in this moment. And he wants everyone in here to understand that if you are a believer, you are either coming out of a spiritual battle. There's some people sitting in here right now. You are in the middle of a spiritual battle that is taking place. Or you better get prepared because there's a spiritual battle that's coming your way. Now, if I can help you and understand when you know you're in a spiritual battle, it's when things just don't make sense. When anything in your life does not make sense, that means it's spiritual. Now, that can be good things. God blesses you. He has his hand on you, and you're going, man, this just doesn't make sense. Things are just so good, and you know God is taking care of you. But when it comes in the form of confusion, destruction, those kinds of things, you know when it just doesn't make sense that the enemy is absolutely working. The good news today is that Satan and his demons do not stand a chance. Amen, Rev Church? Amen. Y'all going to have to get a little responsive up in here in this third service. Come on now. I'm going to lose my mind in a minute. You're going to miss Cracker Barrel because it's going to be here later. Okay, y'all? I'm not getting mad at you. I'm just saying, like, come on, man. This is good news. This is good news. You know, last night, I took my daughter to see WWE Pro Wrestling in Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, because my daughter and I, we love wrestling. I hear some giggles in the crowd. Don't be laughing at me. Especially don't be laughing at me if you're in politics. Amen, y'all? <laughs> so, like, 24 election year, 2015, but uh, WWE's like nothing. Anyway, we love pro wrestling. I talk to a lot of people, and a lot of people tell me they don't like pro wrestling because in pro wrestling, they think it's, like, not really a competitive sport because the outcomes are predetermined. You need to understand this when it comes to your battles and the spiritual war that we are in. You're going to lose some battles. Sure, you're going to mess up. We'll talk about that. But the outcome has been predetermined. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, we are people that fight from victory, not for victory, if that makes sense. Now let's continue and see what Paul says next. In verse 13, y'all with me say, I am. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. Notice this is God's armor. It's not your armor. You're not doing this in your strength. It's something he gives us. So that when, not if, so that when, not if, so that when, not if, the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Paul starts out identifying our enemy. Now he starts to talk about the tactics of our enemy. You've seen him use words like they have evil schemes. The enemy is very resourceful, very wise. One, one commentator said that Satan uh, is the wisest being on this earth. He's probably smarter than much of us. He's been around a long time, and he knows how to scheme, and he knows how to make plans. This is not things that the enemy does just willy-nilly in your life. Rest assured, there is a plan to destroy you, destroy your marriage, destroy your family, destroy your testimony destroy your relationship with God because they're scheming. Think of it like this. You remember in 2020, we had protests going on all over America. And some of those protests turned into riots. And now it's been verified that at those protests, all of a sudden, there would be several pallets of bricks that would show up. And it doesn't take a genius to go, wait a minute, somebody schemed, somebody planned. Pallets of bricks don't just show up out of nowhere. Somebody wanted this thing to turn into a riot. This is the idea here. The enemy is not willy-nilly. 
Now, he's laying out pallets of bricks to cause your life to feel like a riot and shatter some windows in your home and in your life. Paul says, stand your ground. Another way he says it, withstand. Another translation, stand firm. This is a military firm. That means do not give up. Now, it's important to understand that the schemes of the enemy come in two different forms in your life, in every relationship, in your marriage, in your work. They can come from inside, and they can come from outside. Inside your marriage, the enemy is doing everything he can to destroy it, but you're also going to have influences from the outside come and try to destroy your marriage. Inside your family, the enemy is going to try to do everything he can to send thoughts in people's ways, to influence kids, different things like that. And outside, you're going to have things. Inside your work, the people you work with, you're going to have things that pop up, but then you're going to have things outside your work that pop up. Every relationship is like this. Uh, so many areas of life that this happens. The best way that I can figuratively use an example where this happens that I know best is the church. Like Revolution Church and the church as a whole has demonic presences that are seeking to destroy it two different ways. Number one, inside the church in the form of, as the New Testament puts it, sending wolves in sheep's clothing. People that look like a Christian, you think they're a Christian, but then they're just wanting to devour you, which by the way, just so you know this, this is why we preach through books of the Bible verse by verse, because we don't want you guys just coming for a pep rally every single week and getting emotional. It's great. Emotions are great. We're going to have a pep rally here in a second. But we want you guys to learn theology and learn scripture so that when a wolf shows up in your life and is supposed to try to teach you something that's not true, you'll recognize it, you'll call it out, and it won't destroy you. Does that make sense to everybody? Okay. That's why we do that. That's one really good reason why you need to do that. So wolves come in, and then outside, there's all kinds of ways the enemy will attack. I'll give you a couple of examples. Again, apply this to life in general in every area. Last week was our Chosen Youth Weekend here at Red Church. The most successful Chosen Youth Weekend we've ever had as a church. 120 kids showed up. In here, they were worshiping God. Uh, just an incredible weekend. I preached on Friday night. I keep asking Pastor Brandon, our next-gen pastor, like, why are you having me preach? Because I'm an old man now. Y'all know what I'm saying? Like, this is the first time, like, in four months, I haven't worn a sweater vest to preach in. And some of y'all are shocked. You know what I'm saying? And so, don't laugh at my sweater vest, y'all. You know what I mean? So, I'm down. Who's, who's down with some sweater vests? Come on, y'all. Say amen. Yeah. That's right. That's my people right there. We're more seasoned than life. Amen. And so, incredible, incredible night. Well, they had to leave here and go to the cabins at Tansy across town. And so Pastor Brandon and Alex, middle school coordinator, they had to rent every single van available in Crossville, Tennessee. Now, isn't that a good problem to have, y'all, when you have a youth event? Like, we can't find enough vans. They're calling Knoxville and Cookville and everywhere trying to find vans to transport these kids. Well, everything's working fine. They go pick the vans up. They get back to the church. But right after the service on Friday night, two of them quit working. Two of them just stopped working. They were working fine. One of them, the headlights quit working. I told Pastor Brown, I said, do not tell me that y'all drove it anyway in the middle of the night. Because I think they did. <laughs> so I told Pastor Brown, I said, if a youth event does not make the pastor nervous, it's not a real youth event. Amen, y'all. I said, checking our insurance, you know. 
may think that's happenstance, but we don't. We believe the enemy is going to do everything he can to try to destroy everything the church is trying to do and everything every Christian is trying to do for him. I'll give you another example. Last year, uh, we found out the old Rocky Top 10 Theater was available to buy. And uh, you guys know what happened that were with us during that, even if you weren't. Unless you just recently moved across it, you didn't see this, but uh, you know the, the firestorm that happened online, right? Like it was crazy. Some of the people in the community, the way they hated on us and stuff like that, and that was bad enough. But what you probably didn't see uh, was what took place on Instagram, because most people are on Instagram, mostly just young people on Instagram, and these. These things aren't on there anymore because we had to report them and they've since been deleted. But I did take screenshots of them and I think it's appropriate to try to get across this spiritual war that we're in. Uh, these are some of the things that were said. Now, I don't have glasses, so I gotta walk all the way over here out of camera shot. So if you're watching online, uh, to be able to read this, we posted a picture the day we closed on the theater of the building and the paperwork closed. And then underneath, here's these are all different people that started saying things. The first one said, you will pay for this injustice, hashtag Hail Lucifer. The next one said, hashtag Hail Lucifer. The next one, the children's souls will be devoured inside this church. The next one, all Hail Lucifer. The next one, Lucifer will continue to rebel inside your putrid excuse of a church. There's more. Uh, go to the next one. These, I'm just going to show you two of them. Put the next one up. A church will not save the souls of the children Lucifer will devour. All Hail Lucifer. Lucifer will inflict justice upon you and your entire family. Lucifer will reign upon your establishment and fire will fall. May Lucifer have mercy on your soul for this injustice. Man, a couple weeks ago, the school system had a bomb, but it was nothing compared to what we got. Amen, y'all? I was like, y'all got off white. Y'all see? We're in a war. We're in a war. Maybe that was high school kids trolling. But rest assured, if it was, they were influenced by something seeking to destroy what God's doing and create confusion and create fear among God's people. I was thinking about this past Tuesday. We had our budget meeting as a church. If you didn't come to the budget meeting, don't come to complain to me about the budget. Okay, yeah. But, uh, and I laid out for the church the vision for the future for us financially, what our goals are. And I said, and this is going to happen, Rev Church, in three to five years, we're going to pay this building off. We owe about three million on it, and we're praying that within three to five years, we are going to pay this building off. Yeah, thank you. Amen. And after that is when our church is going to mature and really evolve into more of a sending church. What I mean by that is, at that point, is when we're going to start foreign finances, into missions, into church planning, which is really close to our heart. We're going to raise up the next youth pastors, the next children's pastors, next worship leaders, all that stuff. We're going to do everything. We're going to become more concerned at that point. We're going to do everything we can to grow here, but our real barometer of success is going to be how many we send out instead of bring in, if that makes sense. It's not going to be, number one, is butts and seats in here to hear Josh preach. It's going to be, how many are we sending out? How are we multiplying as a church? The enemy would love nothing more than to destroy what God wants to do. Send some thoughts y'all's way. Ah, I knew they were all about money. 
Some of y'all that are visiting for the first time, talking about money. I'm not coming back here. That's a preacher. It's all about money. Let me just tell you. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I started a church in Crossville, Tennessee. You got me. I'm a genius. You just don't know it. You know, like the old Steve Jr. here. You know what I'm saying? I'm not hating on old Steve. If you like old Steve, I'm just saying. Is what it is. I'm gonna get in trouble. I'll make it through. Does that make sense, you church? Schemes. Now let's see as he gets into the armor. Verse 14. Y'all with it's act. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Now Paul gets into how we can put on God's armor. Now, let me tell you this. Um, I'm going to do a 30,000-foot view right here, and we're going to run through these pieces of armor very quickly. But at the end of 2022, we did an entire two- or three-month sermon series where we did a sermon and an in-depth study on every single piece of armor. And really, throughout this whole passage, uh, we broke down every scripture like really, really got in deep. So get on YouTube, go on Facebook. You can find the podcast. You can go on there and find that sermon series. If you're in the middle of a battle right now, that would really minister to you. Paul here is using a figurative example in the armor of a Roman soldier. We've got a graphic for you to point out the different areas of the armor that he's talking about. He goes with the helmet, the breastplate, the belt, the sword, the shield, and the shoes. He talks about all of these. At the end of me going through these pieces of armor, I'm going to put a graphic up on the screen. You can get your phone out and snap a picture of it. That'll give a quick synopsis of every single piece of armor here if you've ever been confused about it. But let's go through this armor uh, in the order that Paul lays it out. First, he says, put on your belt of truth. Again, Roman soldiers would have a belt that was six inches of leather and had several functions. It would secure their tunic. It would hold their breastplate in place, uh, held a sheath for their sword. And the way we put our belt of truth on as believers is we realize the truth of God revealed in his written word, and we act on the truth of character and integrity in all of our lives. In other words, it's practical living that conforms to the Bible. This is how we put our belt of truth on. To put it in a much simpler way, putting your belt of truth on means this, knowing the truth and living the truth. Secondly, he talks about the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate was designed primarily to protect the vital organs of a soldier. Now, when we talk about righteousness and how this applies to us, there are two forms of righteousness that Paul's referring to here. The first is what's known as positional righteousness. The second is what's referred to as practical righteousness. Positional righteousness, what we call that in theology, is justification, or you've been justified by Jesus, or as we say in the church in America, you've been saved and put your trust in Jesus. And that's where 
We take on Christ's righteousness when we believe in him. Practical righteousness is a day-to-day righteousness that we live out. That This is very important. Don't miss this. Flows from our positional righteousness by work of the Holy Spirit. This is really living right, so to speak. That's important for you to understand. Positional righteousness and practical righteousness can never be separate. You cannot have a day-to-day practical righteousness without being saved and having a positional righteousness. Your day-to-day righteousness flows out of your eternal righteousness, so to speak. To put this simply, the way we put the breastplate of righteousness on is we are like with God and we live right. That's how you put it simply. Thirdly, he talks about the shoes of peace. Again, Roman soldiers had sandals, two centimeters of leather on the bottom, tied by leather thongs halfway up the shin. These were perfect for hand-to-hand combat. They would have hobnails on the bottom that would function like a cleat, which gave the soldier maximum footing and traction and really could work on any terrain. How this applies to us is our footing against Satan is our peace with God. How are we able to stand so many times? He says, stand firm, stand firm. It's from Jesus Christ secured peace with God and peace with each other and peace within ourselves when he died on the cross. Fourthly, he talks about the shield of faith. Y'all still with me? Say amen. Amen. We're getting there, okay? Y'all, I'm trying to get through it as quick as I can, but also want to do justice to it. The shield of faith for a Roman soldier was the Roman sputum. It was a four-and-a-half-foot oval hide covered wood framed with iron. Most of the time, these shields before battle were soaked in water so that they could extinguish potential flaming arrows from the enemy. And what this means for us is that through faith, we see our circumstances from God's perspective. But even if we can't wrap our minds around God's perspective, we trust in him to carry us through whatever it is we're facing in life. Faith extinguishes the flaming arrows of the enemy. Temptation, sin, guilt, shame, discouragement, depression, laziness, jealousy, hate. Get your shield of faith. Fifthly, he talks about the helmet of salvation. Again, Roman soldiers have a helmet. With bronze fitted over an iron skull cap, lined with leather. Typically, there were plates on the side to protect the cheeks, and plates on the forehead to protect the forehead, too. I think what Paul means here is one of the biggest struggles that every Christian is going to have. That is the fact that we must constantly remind ourselves of our salvation. Because the Bible speaks to the fact that we serve the Lord with our minds. We take every thought captive. We bring down strongholds in our minds. And every bit of that happens from remembering whose you are. Every bit of that. We don't do it in our own strength. We remember whose we are. Everybody in here needs to understand this, that one of the greatest battles you will face is the devil wants to make you think you are not saved. The devil wants to rob you of the hope of your resurrection, of your glorification, of your, as we talked about in the book of Ephesians, your eternal inheritance of the hope of heaven. 
give you a few scriptures. You may want to write these down if you're struggling right now with this. John 10, 28, Romans 8, 37 through 39, 1 John 1, 8 through 10. If you're struggling with whether or not you're still one of God's kids, um, go get that verse tattooed on your arm so you see it every single day in the mirror. Think of it this way. I got two kids, Titus and Elizabeth. I tell my kids over and over again, no matter what you do, you're always going to be my kid. Titus, no matter how bad you blow it, no matter what you do, I want you to know you'll always be my son. I'll always be there. Elizabeth, no matter how bad your life gets, no matter how stupid you are, no matter the decisions you make, you are always going to be my daughter, and I'm never going to give up on you. I'm never going to run out on you. Somebody in here needs to hear you're God's child. I can love my kids in that way with the dumb stuff they do. And my kids are great. Please don't misunderstand me. Every parent needs to say amen right now. Make me feel better. I just got some <laughs> God is looking at you and going, hey, you lost the battle. You're still my kid. You blew it. I still love you. I'm still with you. Put on that helmet of salvation. Lastly, the sixth piece of armor and the final piece, which actually there's one more, but he doesn't call it armor, is the sword of the Spirit, which we know is the Word of God. The word for sword here is where we get the word for machete. Roman soldier's sword was a two sided blade, two to three feet long, razor sharp and light. And it says that the sword of the Spirit, which is an offensive weapon, is the Word of God. Understand this in the New Testament, there are two different Greek words used for the Word of God. The first one is the Greek word logos. Logos refers to the content of the message. In other words, where did the message come from? The logos refers to the fact that the Bible is God's word and it was inspired by the Holy Spirit and it came from him. It's not the word that's used here. The word that's used here is the Greek word rima. Rima refers to the spoken word the verbalized word or the expression of the message, not the content that comes from God, the expression of the message. In other words, who speaks it? So Paul is saying, Paul is saying, we take the logos, which comes from God, and we speak it, Rima, and it is a weapon that we use to fight the enemy on our life. Amen, that church? A couple weeks ago, we had that big blizzard hit, right? That ice storm or whatever it was called. I don't know what it was. It's kind of a mix of everything. And it hit on Monday. Well, I had to do a funeral in Chattanooga, so I left on Sunday night. And uh, I got done with the funeral about 3 o'clock in the afternoon in Chattanooga and wanted to get home that night because I didn't want to be stuck there all week. And so I'm driving home, and y'all, it's like the snowpocalypse out there. Like, I'm literally, I decided, well, I was real smart. I was like, I'm going to go to Dunlap because 127's straighter, but there are no hotels, no nothing. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, great, I'm going to get stranded on the side of the road, freeze to death, and that's how I'm going to die. That's going to be my legacy. A stupid preacher drove home and froze to death like an idiot, right? Well, I made it home, okay? But let me tell you this. The whole way home, I'm quoting scripture. Rima. Rima. <laughs> it keeps my path straight. You know what I'm saying? 
It keeps my pass. If I said that one time, I said a thousand times driving home that day. It took me about four hours to get home from Chattanooga. But either I'll walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for God is with me. Amen. You need the word of God in your life to fight the enemy. Lastly, he talks about prayer. And prayer is not a piece of armor, but it's been described as the power source that energizes the other pieces of armor. I read one theologian that said the the pieces of armor really don't work unless you include prayer in the mix. Prayer, to put it simply, is expressing our reliance on God. Now, it's fitting that Paul closes speaking about the armor with prayer because now he's about to give us an example because he's going to ask for prayer. Look what he says in verse 19. Everybody still with me? Say, I am. He says, pray also for me that whenever I speak, oh, let me show you that chart real quick. Throw that up there, y'all, because I forgot last service. Grab a picture of that if you want to. We'll leave it up just for a few minutes. Uh, belt of truth, uh, breastplate of righteousness, shoes of peace, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit, and then prayer. So if you want a picture of that, we try to give y'all charts so you can take notes and stuff. We know it's a little darker uh, than most sanctuaries in here, so there's your notes right there. He continues. Here's Paul's prayer request, verse 19. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. If you read the letters that Paul wrote and read about Paul's ministry in the book of Acts, you'll see Paul ask for a lot of different things. You'll see Paul, in some instances, ask for money. Hey, send me some money. You'll see him be looking for a boat to get somewhere, transportation. You'll see him say things like, hey, send this person to me so that they can encourage me or they can help me. But here Paul is, writing to the church, the letter of Ephesians which is known as one of the prison epistles, the prison letters. And I can almost sense, as Paul writes this prayer request, that he sees death coming around the corner. The guillotine's coming. And Paul understands, as he's under house arrest here, facing potentially the worst, and we'll repeat I need some reinforcements. I need the infantry. He gives us this example that when we're in the middle of a spiritual battle, we don't try to go at it alone and do it by ourselves. If you have the ability to call in the reserves, so to speak, call in every single reserve. Paul understands, as we went through the book of James last year, that, that the prayer of a righteous person has power in his life. I want to tell you one of the biggest problems with the church in America. Quite honestly, one of the biggest problems with many people who are sitting under the sound of my voice. The church in America 
the school of people, and the church is guilty of this in a lot of ways because we put that to God. It's full of people that think that a relationship with God is fulfilled by just attending church on Sundays. Attending church is important. We don't forsake the assembling of ourselves for it. It's very important. But if all you do is come on Sundays and do life and love with other people, and you never do life in circles with other people, I would suggest this to you, that your relationship with God most likely is going to be very manifest up and down. You might struggle more than you foster in your relationship with God. The reason is, it's for for always I hate this again. Book of Ephesians makes it clear. We confess our sins one to another. And that's how we find freedom. The prayer of a righteous person has power. You're like, hey, you have to have a prayer life of your own with God. Absolutely. I'm not saying that. You need one of the most important aspects. If you want power in Scripture tells us that in a lot of instances it comes from someone else. And some of you guys are showing up to church a couple times a month. And you've grown up in this culture where it's like you gotta act like everything's perfect in your life. Don't let them see the real you. Our culture's a lot of this in a lot of ways, right? We just highlight all the good stuff on social media. It's all about lies. 90% of it is just Don't ever let them see the spread. Don't tell them how you failed. Don't tell them about the sins you struggled with. You don't have anybody in your life praying for you. You don't have anybody in your life holding knowledge of you. You don't have anybody in your life bearing the burdens of you. Helping you. You guys want to know what church is about? We make church about all this crap. Sorry. Stuff. Okay? Stuff. Yeah, we're going to do the best we can to have the best worship at Red Church. And I'm going to preach the best sermons I can preach. And we want to have a great facility that honors God and take care of and everything. But you want to know what church really is down in Lexington and Southern? People doing life together. Just people loving it. Y'all in this room, a month from now, are not going to be able to quote. Oh yeah, Pastor Josh preached Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 24 a month from now. But you will remember the person that prayed for you. You will remember the person that lost you. You will remember the person that loved you. You will remember the person that's there for you through thick and thin, through everything. You are at a severe disadvantage in spiritual warfare and the battles in your life if you don't have community with other strong believers. Paul makes this clear. Pray for me. Pray for me, guys. 
worn out and exhausted from the ministry, exhausted from the grind. Uh, in prison right now, I need you to help me get through it. He closes this with an encouragement. Everybody still with me saying, I am. When he says this, Tychicus, that's his buddy's name. What a cool name, Tychicus. You call him Tick or. <laughs> Tychicus, a dear brother and faithful servant of the Lord, will tell you everything so that you also may know how I am and what I'm doing. I'm sending him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are. So, my buddy Tick is going to update you. But secondly, look at his look at his purpose, and that he may encourage you. He may encourage you. Every single believer needs strong encouragement in the middle of every battle they face. But he tells Tick, "Look, you got to go to this church in Ephesus." People are barely hanging on. Some of the marriages are holding on by a thread. Some of these people's kids have gone nuts and they're worshiping other idols. Some of them don't know how they're going to eat because they can't get hired because people that worship other false gods refuse to hire them because they say they're a Christian. But take, here's, here's the goal. They're going to ask a lot of questions about how I'm doing. Answer those. Update them on me. But you got to go in and fire these people up. You gotta encourage them. You gotta help them understand, Tick. Listen, again, we are not people that fight for victory, we fight from victory. You gotta help them to try to get God's perspective on everything that's going on in their life and encourage them. If you do nothing else, tell them how I'm doing, but encourage them, Tick. Let them know. It's as if 2,000 years later, Paul's doing something. Some people here at Revolution Church, if not multiple people, this weekend need to be encouraged. You need to know that God is with you. That you can make it through. Whatever that is. Mental health, your marriage is on the rocks and you don't know what to do. Yes, there are steps you need to take, but first and foremost, you need to understand, do not give up. Stand firm. Christ is with you. Some of y'all just need to be like, get dirty about this and kick the enemy in the face. What the heck I was going to say? Yeah, nobody was breathing down there, were you? You can kick them there too. Get dirty in this fight, man. You've got to learn to be a fighter. It's not all sunshines and rainbows. I think that's from Rocky. I don't know. But like, you can make it through. Stop sitting in the corner with your head down, playing the victim. Woe is me, and stand up and hold your head up as a child of God. Understand whose you are. Understand who's got your back. Some of y'all, man, you just need to turn this thing around. Use the battles you're in to motivate you instead of victimizing yourself. Some of y'all just need to stand up and say, man, the devil is going to regret the day that he tried to take my life. The devil's going to regret the day he tried to steal my life. The devil is going to rue that. He's going to wish because now, now I'm peeved off. Y'all proud of me? I didn't say it. I'm peeved off, okay? 
He's going to wish he'd never tried to destroy my family. Because now I'm on fire for Jesus and ain't nothing going to stop me. Turn it around. Understand the battle already won. Just got to follow Jesus. Let's look at these last two verses. And now I'm afraid for you guys. He closes by saying this to the church peace to the brothers and sisters. And love with faith from God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying Man, look at Ephesians. That's good stuff. Let me pray for you guys. Lord, we love you. We thank you for today. I thank you for every single person that's here, God. You are awesome and you are mighty. And God, I pray that we would be people that stand firm. Help us all, God. I pray the ones that are coming out of the battle will be encouragers to the people that are right in the middle of the battle. And every one of us would not be ignorant to the schemes of the devil. We all understand that he is prowling, looking, trying to find weaknesses, trying to destroy. I pray for freedom where there needs to be freedom. I pray, God, that your word today has cut through bone and marrow. It's judged the attitudes of life and that we grow as a result of it. We love you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. If you're encouraged by today's message, be sure and rate us and subscribe on iTunes.